0: I, um, this morning I thought, what in the world am I thinking about? Because, you see, it took me five months to do three verses in Titus 2, and now I've set myself up to do eight verses a week, and so... I don't know how in the world I'm going to do that, but you guys have to really listen fast, and if it takes us two weeks to do a, sh- a section, we'll do two weeks to do a section. Um, those who not here last week, what we're talking about what we're going to do for the next at least 22 weeks to 25 to 30 weeks. We're going to do Psalm 119, oh, wow. <clears throat> and we're going to take apart each section of the psalm, is um, or the psalm is broken up into 22 sections, which is the um, Hebrew alphabet, and last week we did A or alpha is how I think it's, it's pronounced, and then um, today is B, or Beth, and we're going to try and knock through Beth, and, um, uh, and, and so I'm excited about that, and so, because I love the psalm, I love Psalm 119, I love the word. And when I first thought about it, I thought, there's just no way. I, I, mean, there's, I mean, how many, it just keeps saying the same thing, right, again and again. I just kind of had that feeling the first few times I read it over the years. And, but when I really studied it, no, I mean, there's really, each section has got different purpose and meaning. And a little bit of a kind of a review from last last week. Um, this was the first, you know, the Hebrew children memorized all of the book of the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, um, and they also memorized this. And this usually was the very first thing that they memorized. That's why it was written in alliteration. So that every eight verses began with A, and then the next verses began with B, and the next eight verses began with whatever their C is. Their, you know, it's really kind of a G Gimel is what it is for that. So that they memorized the entire Psalm 119. The children of Israel knew this backwards and forwards. You know, I thought about, you know, it's, it's, it's all over where we choose to spend our time. I was reading um, a book last night by a gentleman named Bob Buford who wrote a book called Half Time. And, um, Bob Buford, uh, his parents, his mother was actually owned the very first television station in Tyler, Texas, back in the 50s, which was a major, you know, whole, I mean, she first had to get permission to actually sign a contract because she was female. Can you imagine the state of Texas actually had a law that unless you were, unless your husband signed it, the contract didn't count, but that goes back to a whole lesson than I did, but, um, and he said, you know, before, when they got into it, it was like, there's no way television is gonna be so successful. And for the next 40 years, this is amazing. Yeah, the next 40 years of their business, no, it was 24 years. I knew there was a four in there. 24 years of his business, their 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 um, profits increased by 25% annually. Legally, you know, that happened to Enron, but. You know, it wasn't legal the last five years of that, you know. It legally happened to that. But in this, he said, before the television came out, there was conversations, reading, and radio. That's what families did in the evenings. That was their source of entertainment. And before the radio, and I guess probably 1910, 1920, when that really became kind of 1930, even before that became kind of a standard in people's homes, it was just reading and conversation. And, um, you know, and the wife was always doing something. So, you know, back up 50 years in our culture, we had so much more time to just sit around and take 15 minutes. And let's try, Let's just start memorizing these eight verses. And then you remember, if we did we took 15 to 30 minutes every single day and just did this, and we really do have the time, but we just choose to do the thing. And I, I mean, I'm the first to admit I didn't do good this week in trying to memorize. You know, even the first verse, let alone the first eight verses, let alone 170, whatever that are in there. And so I just want to challenge us to really, and it's, going to, it's really part of the lesson that we do today, because verse 1 in Psalm 119 in the Amplified says, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are the undefiled, the upright, truly sincere, and blameless. Their life is enviable. And my question to you guys today is, do we live a life that's enviable? Do people come up to us and say, or look at us and say, you know, gosh, she's got such a great life. You know, and is it because we got stuff or is it because of our emotions or our attitude? or, But do we live a life that's enviable, but that just the bottom line, people know that we're blessed, that we're happy. And that's really, I mean, that is the true translation of that is happy. And as I shared last week, you know, I'm the first to say God does not care about our happiness. He cares about our holiness. However, if we are holy, according to Psalm 19, 19 1, we will be happy and I believe that with everything and that doesn't mean we don't have suffering that doesn't mean we don't have pain that means we don't have struggles we just don't remain there in that victimization and we trust that God knows that how you know how can divine love divine pain be in the same even sentence let alone the same clause within a statement but that's really the truth because unfortunately we're so hard stinking headed that we need pain in our life to change to bring about the holiness, to bring about the happiness. And so I want to live a life that's enviable. I want people to look at my life and say, you know, no, she doesn't drive the best car. You know, I drive a 2001 Nissan Maxima, you know. And so, and I'm really thinking I could probably get a little paint job here or there, and I can keep this for another five years or so, you know. And uh, it's paid for, praise the Lord, so who cares. You know, and I live in, you know, an 1800 square foot townhouse. But I got three toilets and Wi-Fi, so I'm an empress, you know? I mean, (laughs) what else do you need? Who needs three toilets? Give me a break, you know? Who needs three toilets? But, you know, I mean, I have, but that's not why I want them to see my life in but I want them to see, because, man, Becky, you got peace. You got joy. You know, you're just walking around, and, and you're not freaking out. You know, your mouth isn't talking before you're thinking, and most of the time, sometimes, occasionally, you know? That doesn't happen. I want an enviable life, and so just a quick review of, of and it's right there in Psalm one through eight. I mean, Psalm one nineteen one through eight. Our way needs to be blameless, so we're sincere in all of our ten- intentions. We walk in the law of the Lord. We just don't talk about it. We just don't teach it, but we really do live it out. We keep His testimony, so we're because we're entrusted with a sacred trust. This is an amazing sacred trust. I mean, there are millions of people dying around the world for the word, and some of them literally dying, to have this available to us at our fingertips, online, you know, on our phones, I mean, the word of God is available to us, we just think and don't know it, we just don't know it, I don't know it as much as I want, I love when pastor said that probably a year ago, I don't read the word enough, pastor said that, seek him with our whole heart, so we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, that needs to be our purpose, and then... um who do no wrong but walk in his way. So we don't make a practice of it. doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean that we don't have struggles or difficulties or, you know, I had a real tough emotional week this week. I mean, I don't do everything perfect. Nobody does everything perfect. But we also, we don't make a practice of it. We figure out what's going on and we start setting it right, getting it back on course, readjusting, 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 and walking that path. And so the reality is we do not do this perfectly. So what do we do when we come to that point in our lives when we need to really cleanse ourselves? And how do we keep ourselves pure? And so that's what I really want to talk about today: is how to cleanse ourselves and how to keep our way pure. Um, the first, the first blank I think you guys have is it's guilt complex. The guilt complex. It is one of the most, the strongest emotions that we really have in our culture today, in our world today, is guilt, and um, it is overwhelming because we're constantly reflecting back. Um, they say that our mind processes 400 billion bits of information a day, a week, an hour. I just remember the 400 billion. And we really only are cognitive, cogniz- we're only aware of 2,000 of those. Okay? So the rest of them, it's just our mind is just, I mean, it's just doing what it it's saying without us even being aware of it. But of those 2,000, a majority of that time is spent either on looking back or looking forward. So we're worrying about the future or we're having regrets about the past. And that, you know, if we really settle down and think about it, I mean, we really do spend a lot of time doing that. You know, thinking those mindless times when you're driving to work, you know, that you've driven that that way for seven years and you, you know, could do it in your sleep and you probably have almost. You know, where does our mind go? Where do we wander to? And I really wanted to, I'm working with the coach and a girl, and she just says stinking thinking, and she knows she's got stinking thinking. And it's better than it was. It doesn't stink as much as it did, but it's, it's still stinking Thinking it's like, okay, let's start renewing our mind. Let's start capturing those thoughts when we get guilty or we start getting worrisome. Um, capture those thoughts and bring them into, into captivity. Hey, Wendy. Um, so in that guilt complex, so often, this is what they, the psychologists say that we do. We have a subconscious desire for punishment. We feel guilty, so we feel like we need to punish ourselves. And you see that manifest in a lot of different ways, but lots of times people will just go into what they call a neurotic behavior. I mean, they just start really acting out in crazy ways because they just feel like they need to punish themselves. And we all know people, and we might have even been that sometimes in our own lives. We just feel so guilty about something, whether it's something, you know, as big as an abortion or if it's something as trivial as, you know, a little kid stealing candy and seeing how ne- I just deserve punishment. And there's some them, it's so hard for us to receive even grace. That's what comes into that. And there's a great emotional need to be cleansed. There's just a great emotional need to feel clean, to feel clean. You know, pastor talked about it last, was it last week or two weeks ago, about stealing the radio. He bought the radio that was, and he just felt so guilty. You know, he goes to see his youth pastor, and, and the youth pastor says, So, Greg, how are you? I'm sorry. I just bought You know, I mean, you just have such an overwhelming need to be cleansed. And apart from Christ, well, our hands can't be pure. Our hands can't be clean." We can't be whole, and, um, and I believe this happens a lot, and that's why I think that we see um, a whole lot of charity that comes out of a culture that we think is so crazy out of Hollywood. They feel so guilty for some of their choices and their actions, and I'm not saying it's not all purely altruistic. I mean, none of us are purely altruistic in anything we do, but they feel guilty, and so they feel like they need to do something to fix it. And, um, and they might laugh off saying, oh, who cares? It's another divorce. Who cares? You know, it's whatever. Another drunk binge. It's, it's, you know, robbing, pillaging, stealing. Whatever it is, they just laugh it off, but inside it really is ripping them up. It's tearing us apart. We've done the very same thing in, in what might be less obvious sense. We just beat ourselves up instead of just receiving. I blew it. God's grace is sufficient. Okay, what do I need to learn from this? I don't want to do this again. I've been hit by this semi too many times. I'm going to learn what I need to do and walk in that. So we have a guilt complex. So how do we deal with that? How do we need to deal with that? And that goes into um, the very first verse of Psalm 119, 9 through 16. And this is what it says. How can a young man keep his way pure? In the King James it says, how, does, how can he cleanse his way? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. and the way of your testimonies I delight as much in, as in all riches. I'll meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So one of the first things we need to do is we need to deal with known sin, guys. We need to deal with known sin. Accountability is such a huge facet to the Christian life of someone just to hold you accountable. For me personally, I just need to know that i got to tell somebody, and I'm going to do it. You know, that's enough, because unfortunately, I'm not always motivated enough just because the scripture says to do it, you know, but if I know I've got to turn a sheet in, I mean, I remember this when I was in my 20s, when I first went into the sales industry, and My supervisor, my sales manager, wanted me to turn in a report of how many calls I made, how many appointments I went on, how many letters I mailed, how many, you know, proposals I sent out. And I felt like, well, you know, who is he to tell me to turn this report in? But now that I'm in my 40s, I realized that I worked harder when I knew I had to turn my report in. I mean, it just did. Because I knew I had to turn the report in, so Friday afternoon, sometimes I'm frantically doing stuff. So I can say that I did it. And it wasn't the manager wasn't being the whip on top of me. He was just saying, hey, to be successful, we need to have these checks and balances. We need to have this accountability that's put into this. Uh, a pastor here in Houston, I don't know the details. I don't want to know the details. Um, but it's a, uh, a pastor here in Houston has gotten involved in an adulterous relationship and is leaving the church and all that stuff. And you just get to that point and you think, how did it get there? You know, at what point? Who wasn't checking in and who, ah, Lord, please send people in my life. I'm reading through the Bible, and, and um, this past week I just read David's death and, about Nathan. And um, Nathan was his prophet, and he held him his feet to the fire all the way through, but he loved David. He loved David. He didn't want David to mess up. And I thought, who are the Nathans in my life? Who are those folks that are going to come along, that they're about to see me do something that is going to be bad, 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 or just kind of bad? Who are the Nathans in my life that I open my life up enough that I'm vulnerable enough to to say, I overate this week. That's my issue. I'm not sex, drug, and a rock and roll, so that's, you know, but if I did, who am I turning to to do that? But I overate this week. You know, my emotions are way out of whack. You know, this is what's going on in my life. Um, uh, you know, my quiet time is not what it needs to be. It's not as rich. Um, I journal my prayers and... Because I get so distracted if I pray out loud, I have to journal my prayers. It's not because I'm spiritual or anything like that. I just, I can't do it um, any other way. And that, I can always tell how I am spiritually when I look back at my journal and just the number of pages that I write. And that's simply it. Because if I just write like two sentences, you know, and I've got this page and I've got four days on this one page, I know things aren't well because we're not talking it out. You know, I'm not sharing with him. He's not my delight, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So I want to know who's the Nathans in your life. I don't personally want to know. I want you to ask yourself, who are the Nathans in your life? Who are the ones that you turn to that say, hey, hold me accountable. Hold my feet to the fire on this. I'm working with a lady who is really battling the sin of guilt of gluttony. And, um, and all I am doing is having her send me her food every week, every day. How many cal- How much food did you have, and how many calories was it? And she says, Becky, it has made all the difference. She just sent me an email yesterday. Thanks, Becky, for doing this. This accountability is an awareness of truth. And she, you know, it's all about calories in, calories out. It's not rocket science of what this is. And so she was not aware of really even how many calories she was consuming. And so I finally got her down to right, figuring out what her calories are. And it's so easy now compared to what it was. You know, the internet can tell you any, what any calorie. You know, I could take this tea that I just made, and they could tell me exactly how many calories are in it. Of course, there's none because I use Splenda. And, you know, I, mean, I already know what it is. But it would take a lot of work. But she said she sat down and, and did what a day might have been and before, and she was eating four to 5,000 calories a day and not exercising. Well, by nature, she's gonna burn two thousand calories. Thirty five hundred calories is a is a is a pound of fat. So she's gaining three quarters of a pound every day. I mean, so anyways, just awareness, but it's all going back to accountability. I didn't eat well this week, so that's probably why I'm talking about food a lot. So (laughs) if it applies if it applies to you guys receive it, if not just move on. (laughs) Fill in your own drug of choice there, you know. So um but anyways, uh, accountability. It made all the difference in the world. So that's a big thing. It's not anywhere on your list. I don't even know what I got off on this. But there's really three things. When you realize that, hey, man, there's some sin in my life, there's three things you need to do. Number one is repent. Number one is repent. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of verses on repentance and turning away. And I wasn't sure which one to pull. And, um, but this is one because Jesus said this. Revelation three nineteen. I don't like this verse. I wish, you know, whoever was editing this before it went out would have, like, taken this verse out. But Jesus is saying that this, and he's actually saying to the church of Laodicea, 319, he says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be, jeal- so be zealous and repent. He loves us, he, rep- he reproves us and disciplines us, and we need to be, so therefore we need to be zealous and repent. And what I love about that, he's saying, Beck, you're not going to be perfect. Because I'm always shocked when I mess up. Because I think I should be perfect, right? I mean, I think I should be perfect, and I'm not. And, um, and that's partly pride, partly even my own self perfectionism that I put onto my, you know. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow it. And he's like, it's okay. I'll repre- approve you. I'll discipline you. So be zealous for me and repent. And repent, you know, we've heard it before repent is walking in one direction and doing 180 degrees, turning away from it. It's different than confessing, which is the second blanket. Confessing is just acknowledging it. It's just saying, hey, I did it. You know, but repenting is going that way and saying, okay, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to, that's wrong. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to turn around. And there can be a whole lot of confession. James, this is what, James, when we confess, and I don't know what the balance is, you know, I don't think we need to go in a little booth and confess to the priest, you know, on a weekly basis, everything that goes on. Number one, I don't have enough time to confess everything to him on a weekly basis, you know. But I do know that confessing to a brother or to a sister, mostly as us as girls, to sisters, it's, impo- it's powerful. And look at this. James 5:16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If we confess our sins, God will heal our bodies. Our minds, our souls, our spirit. It's it's healing to us. It's healing to us. Now, you guys, I've talked about this before. And, you know, if there's sickness in my life, the first place I'm always going to go look is sin. Now, I don't always think that every sickness in life is because of the sin of the sick person. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. We know that it's because of big capital S sin. I mean, we know sickness is in the earth because of sin. You know, our bodies are, are, um, it's not perfect anymore. And cancer and all that stuff is sin. It's from the fall. But I also look in my own personal life. Okay, God, are you bringing this sickness in my life because there's sin in my life that I need to make right? And sometimes he has said, "Mm, yep, as a matter of fact, and this is the problem. You know, my knees hurt, Lord. Beck, you're 50 pounds overweight. You know, it really, work on that, you know. God afflicted me, and this is a whole other story for a whole other time if I'm going to do eight verses a day. (laughs) But God afflicted me with headaches. I was about to do something really, S-T-U-P-I-D, capital, bold, italic, underline. And I was walking down that path, and um, probably 90% deceived, but probably 10% knew what I was kind of up to. And the Lord afflicted me with headaches, and <clears throat> went to a conference one weekend, and, and um, she just in passing mentioned this verse. And so Monday morning, I get up in my quiet time, and I'm like, and I woke up with a headache. And I don't have headaches. I mean, these were, no excedra, excedra wouldn't touch it kind of headaches. And they would just last for a couple hours and they'd be gone. And, um, and I said, Lord, is there any sin I my mean, life? I mean, I didn't even get, I didn't get the second syllable of sin out. And it was whiteboard, red letter, ta-da! I mean, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. yeah. And then he said, and I'm like, okay, well, the next person I need to confess it, and so who am I supposed to confess it to? Of course, by then I did not put like a disclaimer, but please not to yeah. fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. You know, of course, it was that person <laughs> that I had to go confess it to. And the Lord later told me that, wait, because I was teaching Bible study. I was involved in it. I was, in, I was working for a ministry at that point, point. and I said to the Lord, I said, what would have happened if I would have walked that out? He said, I would not have allowed you. I would have killed you. And I would have brought you home, and you would have had access to heaven, but you would have lost all your kingdom reward. I couldn't, have, I couldn't allow you to stumble that much. There was too much riding on your shoulders. I would have killed you. Yes, sir. So I have a healthy fear of the Lord. I absolutely 100% fear him. You know, because I don't want to lose my kingdom reward. I don't want to spend a 1,000 years. But that was for sin in my life. Now, you know, if I get a little cold or have allergy, do I cry? No. But I'm going to look there first. I'm going to check out, God, is there any sin in my life? Nope? Okay, great. I'll go take some Tylenol PM or Tylenol cold and sinus or whatever I need to do. Go look for there. Confession is powerful. And lastly, this is so important, is we need to replace. When we realize there's sin in our life, this is when I read this. I thought, okay, this is like two years worth of teaching right here I could do. Um, But when there's sin in our life and we acknowledge it, we repent, we confess, we turn away. We need to replace. We need to replace. Colossians 3, 1 through 15 says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. For from Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. So we're putting off. We're putting off anger, and we're putting off wrath, and malice, and slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to anyone, seeing that you have put off the old self, with his practices, and so often we kind of stop right there, we we have this whole list of commandments, don't do this, and don't lie, don't be angry, don't have malice, you know, don't, you know, what's that line, I don't I don't date those, I don't chew, spit, or cuss, and don't hang around those that do, kind of thing, you know, and we stop right there, and we don't go to verse 10, where it says, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed over the image of its creator, and it, I'm going to skip that verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must all forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ which rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So when we realize there's sin in our lives... Number one, we need to turn away, confess it, work through it, get accountability, set it up. That one person that just flew through your mind that I don't want to tell, that's who you probably need to go tell, you know, work it out. But then we need to replace because and there's another story that sold it. You know, God, Jesus healed a man, of, delivered him from all these demons, you know, and the demons left and they went around for a while and they came back and they saw that it was void. So they went back in and went back right where it was. And I think so often we get in that cycle. Of anger or wrath or malice or whatever might be our drug of choice, our sin of, of, of the day, we keep coming back to it because we didn't fix, we didn't put, some, we didn't start putting on like we're furious at somebody. So we acknowledge that it's sin. We quit being furious at that person, but we don't start loving that person. We don't start showing humility toward that person. We don't start showing meekness toward that person. We don't start showing kindness and patience and forgiveness and grace and mercy toward that person. So boom, we come back around. They do the same exact thing. We get furious. And we might not, maybe now we've got enough control of ourselves. We didn't yell and scream at the person. You know, we kind of kept it inside, but we're seething inside. You know, instead of putting on, let's start loving that person. So, whatever issue you got, whatever challenge you have in your life, man, let's put something back on top of it. Put something, add more to that. What are these things we need to add to it? And above, hey, if nothing else, start loving. Whatever it is, start loving. You start loving them. And you can um, walk through that known sin. So that's how we can get cleansed. The next thing I want to talk about is keeping pure. Let's go back to Psalm 119. Keep pure. The very first way that we can do that is desire God above all else. Desire God above all else. Verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And verse fifteen, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. We need to give God our whole heart. Mark twelve thirty three says, I should have written these out, but it's um, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. This is a little, a little. This is normally one I quote. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And what he says right there is that it's so much better for you guys to trust me and to love me than it is for you to um, offer all these sacrifices to me, which is kind of interesting, you know, because he wants us to. Above all out, you know, obedience is more important than sacrifice. We can go do the sacrifices, but if we're not loving them, that's not, that, then we've missed the point. So what did you have for that blank? Uh, Wholehearted devotion, I'm sorry. Wholehearted devotion. We have to give them a whole heart, every part, every closet, every area. Set apart different, a whole heart. With everything in us. And that is a daily, moment-by-moment choice. To live that out and to give them a whole heart. And not just go through the motions. Then We just, go, we just keep sacrificing and offer those sacrifices and we're really just going through the motions. Um, number two, devote yourself to God's word. Devote yourself to God's word. Verse 11 says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we need to obey his commands. We want to keep our way pure, obey his commands. John 14, 23 says, um, he who loves me will obey my commands, and he who obeys my commands, my, my father will come and dwell with him, and we'll, we'll dwell with him together. I mean, he's going to come hang out with us. If you love him, you obey his commands. And if the problem is we don't always know our commands, so we don't obey them. I mean, so we've got to devote ourselves to the word, to knowing it, studying it, and investigating it, and just being mindful of it. You know, have an idea where it is. You know, I still don't know the order of the minor prophets, but I kind of know where they are in the Bible. You know, so at least when they say, you know, Hezekiah, I kind of, is that even one? How about Haggai? I can at least start heading that way. You know, I kind of know where it is. You know, um, I used to, that was a whole thing that I had to like memorize and know exactly where it is. But, um, you know, I think that's important is what is, what's this week's memory verse? What are we hiding in our heart? And, um, I mean, I'm, we've talked about this before, and like this friend that I said that had the stinking thinking, and you know, I said, go get the Word of God and just play it in the house. Play it, you know, and she said, well, what, all we have is the Old Testament. I'm like, it's still Jesus. It still works, you know, Leviticus might not be the funnest thing to listen to, but pull up the Psalms and just play them. <clears throat> and then we need to start memorizing the Word. Well, I memorize it and then I forget, you know, I forget it two weeks later. That's okay. It's kind of like a colander, you know. Mm-hmm. Just keep running water through it, and it's going to keep it pure. And the more we run it through, the pure it gets. It's going to be pure. So we need to memorize the word of God. And I don't do that good. That's my own convictions right there. The third thing we need to do to keep our way pure is not only desire God above all else, devoting ourselves to God's word, but we need to dedicate ourselves to prayer. Dedicate ourselves to prayer. Prayer in today's cult. Well, verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. And that's what you do. Get up in the morning, call out to God, Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your statutes. Show me how you would do this, whatever it is, whatever challenges, whatever difficulties that are in our lives. Um, Prayer is the conduit through which God's power is released on earth. It's the conduit. That's just the way God set it up. It's like there's power up here, and I don't know this well enough to really do that. There's power up here. There's the energy source up here in heaven, and there's this battery right here that's trying to light this bulb. And we're the wires that connect the two. And we're just the wires. We don't have the power. We don't access the, you know, But we access it and we connect it. And God in his supernatural power decided that's the way it was supposed to be. That's what he wants people. And we don't change God's mind. Matthew 18:18, 18, 18, I think is a verse that has been often misinterpreted. Um, in the New American Standard it says, um, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And what's it saying? It's not that I bind it here so that it gets bound up there. But what what it says is that it's bound up there in heaven, and we just access it down here. It's loosed up there in heaven, and we access it down here. We loose it down here through power by crying out to God. Does that make sense? You know, we have that is it's that conduit that calls out the power of God to make a change. God's will. God's will is happening and as we pray and as we spend time devoting ourselves to prayer in intercession and calling out to God, we access his power through our vessels right there to change the world. And it seems crazy, but that's the only way, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be done. That's what the Lord has us do. So, how is your daily quiet time? How is your daily quiet time? Saddleback Church, um... Out of Chicago is a fantastic, wonderful, tremendous church. And 20 years ago, they're all the, um, um, not purpose-driven, that's Rick Moore. No, it's not Saddleback. I'm thinking of Willow Creek is who I got. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. The city or the, or the Something's church. Something's not right. <laughs> Willow Creek in Chicago, Saddleback in California. Willow Creek is all about, um, oh, my goodness, where you really kind of, Seeker friendly church is a big thing that they really do to kind of really, and so they implemented a lot of programs 20 years ago. Great stuff, amazing things that really drew people in. Celebrate, none of that came out of, out of Saddleback. But, anyways, really cool things that did it. The whole point of this was this about three years ago, after doing this for 20 years, three years ago, they basically wrote an apology. And they said, guys, we've had, we thought if we had enough programs and activities and events, that drew people and taught people the Word of God, and they were valid, I mean, they were theologically sound, doctrine-sound stuff. If we did that, people's lives would be changed. And you know what? It's not. We've come to realize the only way people's lives are changed, if they have a personal, it's not about programs, it's about a personal encounter with Jesus. And if you want your life changed on a daily basis, you have got to be encountering Jesus through his Word and through prayer and through fellowship with people. It's not just coming on Sunday morning. I mean, Wendy mentioned it last week. She knows she's not in the quiet time in the morning. I mean, she knows it the rest of the day, you know. And like me, you know, I don't do it for a couple of days, and everybody else knows that I haven't <laughs> you haven't had your quiet time this week, have you, Becky? You know? <laughs> you know, it's and we can have all this. And I love that you guys come. I love my class. I love teaching. And my But my heart cries, you know. Back, I didn't come because I wanted to spend two more hours with Jesus. Because I want him to be my delight. I want him to be my joy. I, I would love that. I would love that. And that's the last part four. We've got to delight ourselves in him. We have to delight ourselves in him. I'm doing so good on time. Verse 13, 14, and 16, I think, are the points here. With my lips, I declare you all the rules of your mouth. All the rules of your mouth. I will meditate. Um, No, 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. And then 16, I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. Um, And so when we delight in him, number one, we need to understand that he is a treasure chest of amazing things for us. And I've told the story before, you know, I'll do it again because I love it, that, um, you know, I went and did a survey in your backyard, you know, or in my little patio in my back, you know, there's no ground, but wherever. In your backyard and 50 feet deep buried in your yard is a treasure chest full of more gold, silver, precious stones, jewels than you could spend in 10 lifetimes, and it's yours. It's available to you. But the deal is, I mean, well, if you were like me, I'd I'd say, love you guys, I'll catch pastor online or I'll come back tonight, I'm going to the backhoe place. I'm getting this treasure chest. I'm getting it. Here's a caveat. You can only dig with your own hands with tools and instruments that are available to you. And I'd still say, okay, I'm going to Home Depot. I'm buying every shovel, every pick. I'm figuring out how to do this. Can I use dynamite? You know, I'm getting there. We're going to get down to it. And then the other little caveat is you can only dig from, you know, 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Nobody would say, I'm well, I'm really not a morning person. You know, it's like I'd be over that fast, because if I find that treasure chest, I can have all the mornings I want. It's there. It's for us. Proverbs three fourteen and 15 says this. You might not want to hear this. Um, better is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver. And her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels. And nothing you desire can compare with her. That's what the word of God is. That's who Jesus is. He's a treasure chest available to us. And we're too tired, lazy, distracted, overwhelmed. Very valid, probably excuses, but they're just excuses. excuses. When he has it available to us, and it's a treasure chest. And we need to delight in it as if we had opened up a treasure. Delight. Verse 16 where it says, um, I uh, I will delight in your statues. It means to skip about, to jump for joy. I mean, how would you like to end your quiet time and go, yay, it's so good this morning, you know? And, like, don't want, and, you know, don't just, like, check it off and hurry out. Really seek the Lord and delight yourself in that. And then I think it's also interesting is who are you telling other, who are you, what are you talking about and who are you telling about? Like when somebody says, how was your weekend this weekend? Are you going to say what movie you saw last night? Are you going to say, man, I went to church and, you know what, God's word is a treasure chest. You know, it's the coolest thing. And I was at the grocery store and Jesus said, reminded me to, you know, go get a roll of toilet paper. Because he does, you know, he does. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, you know, especially for those of us that live alone and we need those kind of things, you know. He reminds us and he drives us to that. Or are we going to talk about whatever we did? The bike ride that I went on that I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I might talk about that because that leads into, well, are you prepared for death, you know, so, I mean, <laughs> but that's where we need to be, and in that way we can keep our way, we got to cleanse our hands first, man, repent, confess, replace, seek the Lord, find somebody to hold you accountable, get those Nathans in your life, and then to keep our way pure, man, we're going to desire God above all else, he's got to be my number one choice, above all else, he's enough, he is my sufficiency i've been asked along with a couple of our ladies to kind of sit on a panel this evening for um the singles that meet at five thirty so it 's usually twenty thirty something age group in there, and they sent questions already out, and one of the biggest questions is, "How am I content in my singleness and that 's like the really the theme and half of them and it's this is this is the key right here he 's enough. we can be content in in jesus he 's enough, and we've got to believe the word um 841. Psalm 84.1 that I talked about last week. God withholds no good things from those who seek him. No good things. So if I'm walking in righteousness and I'm seeking him and I don't have something that I think I need, it's because God of the universe, who knows a whole lot more than I do, thinks it's not good for Beck to have that. It's not good. And so if I'm not married... I'm not living in the house. I don't have the job. I'm not pregnant. Whatever those things. If I'm not pregnant, definitely it's not a good thing right now. I mean, that is a good thing. Right it's a really good thing right now. But whatever those things are, it's because it's not good. The God of the universe says that. He believes in that. So I want to encourage you guys to take inventory of heart so you can keep our ways pure and we know it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Thank you for um, laughter. Thank you for time, Lord, that Somehow, you made it happen, and, um, and we're grateful for that, Lord. And I pray for these ladies, Lord. I pray that you would just reveal yourself to them in an amazing and profound way, Father, that they would know you um, in, an, in, just in excellence and in grace and in mercy, Lord, and that you would reveal yourself to them. And, Lord, that they would seek Nathans out, that they would seek your word, that they would find delight and power in you, and that they would find the time, um, choose to make the time to seek you above all else.